Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have Roddy in the building. Roddy Ryan Graziliano. How are you, my friend? What's happening? You tell me, man. I'm good. Roddy, you are amazing, man. I, I like to call you the construction king, if you will. Rehab Depot in the building. Like, crazy talented. Your energy is amazing. Like, you're just a rock star in so many different realms, man. I'm just so excited to get into your story today because I've had the privilege of being able to hang out with you several times at Family Mastermind and just, like, be part of your vision and what you're doing in this world. And it's just super cool, man. I'm just so excited for what's happening in the future and, like, honored to be a part of all that. And I just can't wait to get into your story today. (laughs) What do you want to know? I'll tell you, I'm a I'm an open book, baby. I know you are. <laughs> I'll tell I, I, I'll share stories with people be like, huh? Exactly. <laughs> you don't you don't you don't find success without trials and tribulations. I'll tell you that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I gotta ask you, what yeah. inspired you on your journey to where you are today, man? I wanted to be the best. So let me explain what I mean by that. Because that mindset was a 21-year-old mindset. When I had that, I want to be the greatest, the biggest, the baddest, the most richest, the, the flashiest, the cockiest. That was 21, right? Because now I'm 40, so the mindset's a little bit different. But I would not be here without that 21-year-old boy. Because I call him a boy because he was a fucking boy. But at 21, I wanted to, uh, obviously, as an entrepreneur, my whole life, when I was nine years old, I was selling to- my toys on the side of a road, right? We'd go over like the hill. I'd put a blanket out, put all my toys like in a nice little, like in a nice, nice row and shit, trying to make it look flashy or appealing, if you will. And you would drive by no different than a lemonade stand, right? And I remember the police came by and they're like, listen, son, I, I like what you're doing, but you can't do that. You know, it's illegal to be able to sell you stuff like that. I don't know. Any of the things that he had said to me, I didn't understand what he was saying. All I knew was I'm selling my shit. So he's like, you got to pack it up and you got, you can't, you can't do this. I said, that's fine. I rolled all my shit up in the blanket. I went across the street and went to the other side of the hill, opened up shop again. I didn't care. And I have to do that like on the weekends and whatnot. And then I graduated into taking my Red Flyer wagon door to door. And again, this is before you knew that door to door sales was what it was because nobody likes door to door sales. But as like a 10 year old, I'm like, all right. So I would take my dad's like uh, stationary and office shit. I never asked him for permission, nor did I even realize he was never done using it. I would just put staplers and staples and pencils and pens in the wagon. And I'd go door to door and sell shit for like five cents, 10 cents, and people would buy it. So I was always an entrepreneur. Then I got into high school, sold drugs, uh, did my thing there. Then I, then I went, I became, I was 18, 19. I, I was graduated high school at 17. At 18, 19, we started running some casinos out of hotels. And I, I graduated through the, I, I was, I'm Chicago through and through. <laughs> you know, me and my crew, we started doing hotel, uh, underground uh, casinos in the La Quinta Inn hotels. And I got a funny story about that because life comes full circle. But there was a really, really good side to what we were, the mindset of who I was and where I was going. But I, I chose a darker path for a number of years, utilizing those skills, right? Uh, my mom always said, you'd be the greatest gang leader in prison of all time. And I'm like, well, thank God that didn't happen. But she always thought like that was my future. She thought you're going to jail, you're going to die. 
you know, you're, you're too smart to be doing the dumb shit you're doing. But I was fascinated. I've always been fascinated by the dark side. It's just who I am, you know. I don't hide it from anybody. Anybody that knows me now is like, yeah, he's he's a good time. Be careful. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you, you graduate to those levels of doing stupid things. And when you do stupid things, no matter how smart you are, the, the repercussions are just as swift and as serious. And as you start growing at 18, 19, 20, I started realizing, you know, friends are going to jail, friends are getting killed, things, this is not good, right? It's the, it's the whole Chicago underground. You, you have to cheer your listeners can put the two and two together. So, you know, I was kind of born into that family-wise. So it was kind of something that we were instinctively known to do. I was the firstborn nephew and the firstborn grandson in 1981. So there came a little bit of an expectancy with that, an expectation that I didn't know, right? I was being groomed a long time ago, didn't realize I was being groomed, but Whatever they were grooming me to be, it was working. <laughs> uh, it was it was working very well. And then I got big, I got size, and I got an attitude. And you combine all those things, and you're you're a problem. You become a problem. Um, anyway, long story short, that was my youth. And then twenty came in, and like I said, once once I started seeing friends and family, you know, really getting in trouble, you know, serving time and, and FBI and DEA and different things are happening. You have decisions to make, and uh, I, I went into believe it or not, I went into medical. I became a paramedic working in the ERs out here um, in Chicago. And uh, I met a doctor who's still one of my friends now. And that's another full circle story. I, he and I just befriended each other very well. When you work in the ERs, you have to have a sick mindset because of the things that are coming through that door. You know, you got kids drowning in the pools. You got gunshot wounds. You got gangbangers. You got people half decapitated from car accidents. You just got to be mentally and emotionally prepared for what you're going to endure and see. And again, I've always been built for stuff like that. So that teaches you direct patient care. It teaches you humanity. It gave me, it well-rounded me to a point to understand my fellow people in terms of humans and, and that the feeling of empathy and sympathy, because there's a difference. And I'll talk about that later. But it, all these experiences in life kept giving me another piece that kept rounding me off, right? Because I, I was just a jagged edge, but it just kept, all these things kept rounding me off. And in my opinion, at 40, I'm not even done. Uh, but at that point, my doctor friend said, Hey, you know, long story short, he's like, Hey, I've got a property that he had investor property. Do you know how to rehab it? I, I actually thought he meant I need a rehab. I'm like, bro, I don't need rehab. He's like, no, do you know how to rehab properties? I said, I don't even know what that means. I go, do you mean remodel? He's like, yeah. I said, nah, I've got uncles in the trades. Let's see what we can do. The rest is history. Once we did his property, I failed miserably, but I understood what the business was and me being an entrepreneur and having that mindset numbers make sense to me. Now I'm not saying I enjoy math because I don't, but I'm good with it just makes sense to me. So I was looking at numbers and I started looking at the, the business behind it. And I said, wow, this is huge. And this is before recessions. I mean, you talk about 2000, 2001, right? This is 9-11 hadn't even hit yet. So you're talking about this is just around the turn of 9-11 happening. And 9-11 happens to be my birthday, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I had turned 20 when 9-11 happened. And that's around the time that this was making sense to me. So as the economy was crashing because of that, that's when real estate really started taking off again. And then 08 would come and 10 and all that stuff. And here we are again. But long story short, he had a property. I did it. He failed. I got an idea what the business was like. I did some research, realized the hedge funds were the gods in this game. I started making phone calls, doing what I do. I started cold calling. I don't know who I was asking for. I didn't know who to ask for, what department they asked for, what I was even asking for. And I kept doing more diligence online. I realized construction directors, construction managers asked for these individuals. So I would call Blackstone, I would call you know, Imitation Homes, Pathway Homes, all these crazy hedge funds. And I'd say, can you point me in the direction of your you know, construction director for the Chicago market or the Midwest market or whatever? And finally, I got to some people and I got a tryout out here on the north side of Chicago. That's where they had a big office. And uh, I went there and they, they gave me three properties to bid because the hedge funds just buy sheets at a time. And they said, here's three properties. Here's the address. Here's lockbox. Go bid them. And I didn't know how to bid. So I wouldn't bid them. I bid them like 20,000 short each. 
And I remember them saying, you sure you could do it for that price? I'm like, fuck yeah, I could do it for that price. I couldn't do it for that price. <laughs> so long, long story short, I failed on all three of those. But again, I knew that I understood like, there's, this is huge. Like I need to figure this out. So what I started doing was studying the, the hedge funds. I'm like, how do they have all this management? Why do they, what, why do their spreadsheets look the way they do? And why do they only get 50% margin? And how do they have their vendors set up? I studied this shit. And we decided, me, my, meaning me, at that time at 21, 22, I said, you know what, if I can implement uh, what these hedge funds are doing very smallly into my small little construction company at the time, I'll become the big dog in Chicago. And in five years, by 25, we were the number one GC in Chicago doing rehabs. We were doing 100 flips a year for the hedge fund. We were winning awards left and right. Money was coming in. But I was still that 21-year-old boy. And I was still that 21-year-old cleanly. I was that 21-year-old OG, if you will. I had to get that mindset going. So I blew it. By 26, 27, I had to start all over again. And then, you know, you get wiser. Another piece that starts shaping, it starts rounding you off. Like, fuck, that's a, that's a big-ass piece of humble pie to eat. And I ate it. I ate the whole fucking pie. And uh, I said, well, I'm not done. I get this shit. Now I know what to do. And in doing so, we evolved into understanding that my clients, the investors, did not understand construction. They were costing me money just as much as I was costing them money. They blamed me, meaning the contractors, for every fucking thing that they had wrong, which is not my fucking problem in the first place. And I realized they didn't know any more than I did. Right? So I said, let me master construction. I'll stay in my lane. I'll stay in single family, master the shit out of this. And then I'll go back and I'm going to teach these guys how it's done. Long story short, here we are. So we've been teaching it the last seven years. We've done 30 boot camps. We've done three master classes. I can't even tell you how many virtual sessions we've done. We've trained thousands of real estate investors. We've flipped over $500 billion, I'm sorry, $500 million in assets locally and internationally as partners with other investment portfolios. You know, it's just, um, it's a blessing to come this far. But, you know, advice I'll give anybody out there who's either young or still in an idiot space, because you're still in an idiot space, is that you have to understand that there are seasons in your life, right? Your 20s and 30s is the morning of your life. Then you have your 30s and 40s, which is the afternoon of your life. Then you have your 50s and 60s, which is the evening. And after the 60s, you're in twilight. Now, you can obviously figure that out if you have any fucking sense. What, you, what I'm trying to say is at 40, I'm not supposed to be the same guy I was in the morning of my life because I've just entered the afternoon, right? If I'm still the same 21-year-old fucking idiot, thinking the same way I did at 21, I'd have nothing, I'd be in jail, I'd be dead, or I'd be broken. It's just the whole nine. It just, I would not have a fulfilled life. And you have to continue to evolve. And the guy at 20, in my 20s, I didn't care about partnering with anybody. I didn't care about networking. I didn't give a shit about masterminds. I thought I was God, right? That was the mentality. I was like, nobody can fucking touch me. I'm going to go make a million dollars. I'm going to go spend a million dollars. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. That dude served a purpose, right? Because that dude got me here. In my 30s, I got a little more rounded, had children, got married, started opening up other businesses, started learning about other trials and tribulations and variables and challenges that are going to happen with real life and responsibilities, accountability, all those things, right? So you start, you start looking at your business model and getting a little sharper and smarter and wiser, more tactful, more detailed, more specific, more granular. Uh, and then you start looking at your business ecosystem, realizing what's working, what's not working, cut the fat, get lean. It's a journey, man. I've been doing this 19 years and I'm only 40. It's a fucking journey. And, you know, being one of the young guys in the game, and I consider myself young at 40, the people I served in my 20s were 40, 50, 60, 70. Now I'm 40. I'm in the middle. You know, so now I'm trying to capture the 21-year-old saying, listen, listen, guys, I've got the golden fucking ticket. I am Willy Wonka, all right? I got the candy shop. I'm telling you. 
Just follow what I'm trying to tell you. and You'll get there faster than I will. So it's interesting to be in that position now where I've earned the respect. And I say earned with a capital E. I earned the respect of my peers. I've earned the respect of this industry because they watched and watched and watched and they watched a boy become a man. And, and let me tell you something, in an alpha male world, just because I'm an alpha doesn't mean other alphas are going to accept me. I got to prove myself in the jungle, you know, and that's the difference between this business. And uh, I can go, I don't know, I can go on and on. What else you want to know? <laughs> There's all kinds of awesome things. I mean, you mentioned so well, many good things. Thank you. I got all kinds of shit to say. Oh, I love it. I just love hearing your story kind of in detail. I mean, to go from a youth that's troublesome, right? Wild. Like, like wild, like a wild, a wild boy. Youth. And getting into like the paramedic field, because that's not an easy field to really get out of. No. So, you know, for the people that are listening that, you know, they have a lifestyle or they have habits or they have a energy of people around them that is kind of holding them back, right? Or pushing them in a direction that they shouldn't be in. Or then they just sense that and feel that like, how do you break that mold, right? Because you went from that to like the paramedical space, which is like, what like the medical field like I, th- that's crazy you know like so what would be some recommendations on your end roddy on that because I, that's one thing that i picked up i was like well it is not easy to kind of break away from all that you know and start right fresh you know i was thinking of becoming a fireman at that time i was like I'm like i gotta get out of this thing and i gotta i never knew if i would grow out of that lifestyle this is before i owned the garcelaza group the rehab people and all the companies i have now i didn't I didn't know if I'd ever even survive the lifestyle I was living because we were good at it. When I say we were good at it, it was dangerously good at it. And when you're dangerously good at it, I always say this, some of the biggest masterminds of the criminals in the entire world are, are absolute geniuses and probably would dominate as, as legitimate CEOs in any corporation. You know, that's the reality of some of these masterminds who are just these, these men like a Pablo Escobar, right? <laughs> I mean, he, he technically probably was the richest man in the world at one point. And to be able to run an organization that's worldwide dealing drugs and shit like that, you have to think like, he's not stupid. <laughs> he's not an idiot. Right. And there's a lot of elements to that personality to be that. You have to be deadly. You have to be precise. You have to be assertive. You have to be empathetic, sympathetic. You've got to be combative, not combative. You've got to be leveraged, not leveraged. There's a lot that goes into being a leader, good and bad. And at that time in my life, I realized that I'm really good at what I'm doing, but it's bad. <laughs> I need to do something. So I always thought to myself, well, I've always been interested in being like a fireman. That's, that's where I get job. I'm cool. I like that stuff. And I could always work, you know, two days on, one day off and do a business. That's how I thought of it. On my days off, I run, I run some business. So I went that route. And part of becoming a fireman is you got to become a paramedic. Part of the process. So it wasn't that I chose to be a paramedic. It's part of that process is you need to get, you got to get that medical license. So I said, all right, I'll take the test and go through the whole course in class. And I did. And I passed. It was hard. It's not easy. But, you know. God blessed me. I always say this all the time. God blessed me with moments of brilliance and massive amounts of idiots, period. Right. God's like, I'm going to give you an hour to be brilliant, but the next 23 hours, you're just going to be a flat out fucking idiot. So pay attention. And I'm good with that. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, if you've got a good idea, I'll give you 15 minutes because my shit's going to go. I need to hear it. Give it to me so I can soak it in. And I can process things really quickly, anything. Really, really quickly. But I think it, I think what most entrepreneurs and business owners are listening to this call now, you're young, in the middle, season, not season, you're still growing, whatever you do. Take the attributes that you have and amplify them, good and bad, right? Because I was using brilliance for negativity. But I was like, well, if I just switch the dial and open, close this door and open that door, I can still apply my trade, if you will. I can still apply that, that brain that I have and absorb something new and do something that's long-term, that's good, and that helps people. When, as a youth, I would hurt people. I used to, I used to love to fight without remorse. You know, I would, you know, 
it's part of the process. You hurt people and you go about your, you go to fucking Denny's. <laughs> you just <laughs> you shit. You do what you do. You're at a bar and you got to do what you got to do and you handle your shit in the parking lot or off site at a construction site and you go to fucking Denny's and talk about it four in the morning, smoking <laughs> cigarettes. I'll tell you, dude, I got, I could write a book. But <laughs> the evolution of that has to come at some point. I say this in a lot of our master classes when I teach construction and project management. The first day, I always lead with leadership. I always lead with hard skills, soft skills. I always lead with experience, emotions. I always talk about the six levels of alphas and who you're dealing with. I always deal with people first before we even get into construction. Because a lot of people have to realize you are in your own way or the people around you are in their own way or all of together, you're just a big fucking collection of idiots. Either way, you've got to look at what you're doing and dissect, right? You have to separate from the pack to find out if you're going to be able to grow with them or without them. And that's kind of what I did at that point in my life is, I enjoyed direct patient care. I felt like I was, I was giving back. I felt like karma was working in my favor now that I was giving back. Like in God's eyes, like I was doing what I'm supposed to do, help people out, do it the right way. So I always felt there was some level of redemption there. And, it's, and, and in doing so, you feel good, you feel positive, so you continue to explore. And then that opportunity comes. I'm telling you, I believe into this day, when you do good, the opportunities are just fucking floating around you. Your angels are like, listen, I'm going to sprinkle some love on you real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need this? I'm going to make sure that that door is available, but you got to walk it. You know, I tell this people all the time, especially in our classes, I say, listen, I said, you want a million dollars and you fucking ask God for it. Let me tell you something. He's not going to just drop a million dollars on you, but he's going to present you three opportunities and it's up to you to see them. You have to see them. You can pray for anything you want, healing, blessings, family, friends, cancer, no cancer, whatever. But the opportunities will be in abundance if you're not paying attention. And if you're in a negative space, you'll never see them. If you're always living in a positive space or trying to be as positive as you can, you will always see the signs. The signs are there. And then that gives you the opportunity to take the opportunity, which I think most people miss in the first place. They don't have the fucking balls to even take the opportunity. Right. I can go on and on about that bullshit. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is that, well, one thing that I love that you were challenged on that rehab, right? And then from there, you were like, I'm just going to try it, even though you blew it. That's okay. But you learned, right? And then you started calling these hedge funds and you were searching for the answers. You didn't know what you were looking for, but somehow you found it. Like no, that- I didn't find it. I had to learn. It probably took me 10 flips to figure out that maybe I bid it right. 10 houses to figure out that I think I bid it right. And when I say bid it right, within like $25,000, right? So it wasn't accurate. That's right. what I'm trying to tell people. is like people think that I'll make an overnight success. Like, yeah, you fucking mind. There's no such thing. This is relentless practice. This is the exception of failure. I love failing. I don't give a shit. Like, you tell me like, hey, let's go climb that fucking house. Like, I don't know why, but I'll do it. Like, well, let's go. Okay. Let's go jump on that roof. And is there a pool that you jump off of? Like, let's, let's, okay, let's try it. <laughs> like I'm an, I like excitement like that, but I also like risk, but I, I'll analyze the risk. And I teach that too. analyze the risk. So when you go into a rehab, first thing you're doing is you're looking at a project, right? With your financial cap, as you should, if the numbers make sense. Okay. Take that hat off, put your contractor hat on and say, okay, now let me look at it from a construction standpoint. What are my risks? Season, weather, all my KPIs, supply chain, can I get my trucks through here? Do I got to do driveways? Do I have to build a pool? What kind of subs do I need, right? What's the time frame on this? Do I have the right schedule? Am I going to hit snow? Am I going to hit rain? Is it hurricane season? You have to look at all that shit because it affects construction. I don't care where you are in the country or where you're at in the world. Weather is a risk. Demographic and location is a risk. Geography. You've got 10 projects open. God bless you. Where are they at? Oh, they're like 10 miles apart. That's a fucking nightmare. Way to go. That's a risk. Yep. So that's my point is like, these are the things that we always talk about learning. And, and part of my growth and evolution is I'm always analyzing the risks. Absolutely. And I love that, Roddy. I mean, like you literally jumped into that space through the hedge funds. You then you 
had your own GC company and you guys became like number one in Chicago, which I think is amazing, but you've also built these systems and processes. Now you're training all around the country. And what you just mentioned was really critical because it's something I'm super passionate about as a real estate developer and contractor as well. That it's like, everyone wants to talk about flipping houses. They want to talk about doing all these things and, you know, value add to properties, whether it's commercial, you know, residential, mixed use, whatever, what have you. Everything you just mentioned is the most important thing the construction if you everyone loses their hat on construction you can lose your damn shirt on construction if you're not careful 100%. and i have too i've lost on deals i've said it i've lost 20k here 30k here but then i've also made it all back right but it took a few to like get it all together and it's like these systems and processes that you created that you're now training all across the country is is absolutely amazing absolutely amazing and like you were saying mitigating the risk i mean that's the number one thing you got to know your numbers you well, know. that goes back, and I appreciate you for saying that, but that goes back to that 21-year-old and 25-year-old kid, right, who without that mentality and that kid at that time, I would not be the man I am today. Right. You, know, you have to go through all of it. You can't, when shit's coming to you, it's coming to you. You have to deal with it. That's life. But when I look back and reflect on my 20s and 30s, my 20s of wanting to be the best, right, having that, that mentality served me. It did. It served me then. It serves me now because now I don't have the mentality about being the best. I already know I'm the best. I know the rehab depot is on the map forever, right? We, we built that. Now it's about being quality. Now it's about credibility. Now it's about authenticity. Now it's about results. Now it's about you, you know, Mm -hmm. and our branding is extremely powerful because as a true entrepreneur, I don't believe in just being in one isolated area. I want to be everywhere. You know, we're doing cigars. You know, but who, how, how do we do that? Roddy, the Roddy brand, you know? And I share this story with people all the time. Roddy wasn't, there was no such thing as Roddy in my 20s. Roddy came up in my, I think Roddy was built seven years ago. When we launched the Rehab Depot to start teaching, Roddy was born by accident. My very first consulting client had a CEO that was in his office and his name was Ryan. And I remember he was in Detroit. He called me. His name was Albin. He called me and says, Hey, Ryan. Or he calls the outfit. He goes, Call. He called up Ryan. We both go, What? He goes, No. He goes, He goes, My Ryan. He goes, My Ryan's nice. He goes, You're an asshole. You're Roddy. And I looked at him. I said, That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I said, I love that. And I called my marketing girl. Uh, her name was Millie. And I said, What do you think of this, this Roddy? Because I am a Rottweiler. I own Rottweilers. It's what we are. We were the Garcilazzi Group, which is our first construction company, was the Rottweilers Redevelopment. So that it fit. That's what we were known for. But I didn't never, I've never heard the name. And that's how that was born. And then boom, we hit social media. We hit billboards in Chicago. We were just killing it with this Roddy thing. And I believe heavily in branding, not marketing. I believe in branding, not advertising, right? You are your product, right? So when people see us marketing nonstop on social media, it's not because I'm infatuated with social media. In fact, I think social media is fucking garbage, but it serves a purpose. If you spin your brand correctly, it has brand recognition, which people automatically buy based on you. And I tell people all the time, I know I'm an acquired taste. I'm not for everybody. And I'm good with that. You know why? Because one of my mentors taught me a long time ago, write this shit down for everybody who's listening in La La Land, that you don't want them all, you don't need them all, and you won't get them all. If you can make peace with those three things, you're fired. You're going to be fine in life. And that's where I'm at. I don't need them all. I don't want them all. And I know I won't get them all. I get the right ones. And obviously we're doing just fine with the right ones. And a lot of those people that act real hoity-toity and I'm Christian or I'm Muslim or I'm whatever, God bless you, do you. But don't act like you're somebody when you call me because when you call me, I knew there was a devil inside of you. So let's play. Everybody's got the dark side and I'll bring it out. So I'm like, listen, because everybody, <laughs> everybody respects the fact that our brand 
says what they think and they know they won't say. It's not who they are. And that's fine. I'll speak for the masses. But I'll always tell it how it is. I'll always be authentic. What you see is what you get. I teach it the way I'm talking to you. I do my videos the way I'm speaking to you all day long because that's just who I am. I'd rather somebody be straight with me than waste my fucking time. And I'll tell them, don't waste my fucking time. Absolutely. Well, hey, that's the raw Roddy right there. That's what I always say too. When, when anyone like asks me about you, because obviously like I'm your licensee. And so we've done yeah. collaborated on some business things. And I'm like, man, Roddy's just like, he's just raw, man. He's going to tell it to you like it is. He's on his game. And like, that's just, that's him. Like, and I was fascinated. And like, it's amazing to be confident like that. You know what I mean? To be confident in business. I think it's super, super important. I mean, you were born with it. That's, that's without a doubt. And it's obviously established itself throughout the years, but I just think it's, you know, you had a heavy influence on your success. Cause you're like, I'm, I am the best. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. Like your confidence and your stature and all the things is what's propelled you even more forward in the business. Not just like, I mean, of course, you knowing your stuff. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. empathy and sympathy. That's part of the process of getting yeah. to where you're at, right? Is understanding, like, I remember I would have to fire project managers. I'd fire contractors all the time. It is what it is. And of course, people would have a problem with that. They'd say this and the other and whatever. It's your problem, not mine. You should have shut the fuck up. But I would always tell people, you know, I used to get it all the time, like, you have no sympathy. I said, no, there's a difference, fool. I said, I have sympathy. My sympathy is for my friends and family. I said, I have empathy for your fucking problem because I've been there. I said, but I save my sympathy for those that actually I love and love me back. I said, there's a difference. I have no sympathy in business. I have empathy in business. That's different. And that's why I tell everybody, I'm like, you have to understand the difference because they serve two purposes. You can't be sympathetic in business. If you are, then be a non-fucking profit. That's mm-hmm. me. Listen, I mean, that's the name of the game. And I mean, Roddy, too, like what's really interesting, because I know a lot of guys, a lot of contractors out there who are perfectly capable. They're brilliant. They're hard workers. They're doing their thing and all that. How did you transition into the teaching side of things after being on the job sites? You know what I mean? Because that's like a tough thing for most people. You know, you are not most people. So I get that. It has a lot to do with you and your personality, entrepreneur and who you are. But I just know like a bunch of contractors and stuff that are so very well capable of doing so much more. But it's like, yeah, right. Exactly. So it's like, that's the differentiator for you. Like, what advice would you give to like, say a contractor right now who wants to like take his or her life to the next level that just can't seem to just, you know what I mean? They're stuck in that day to day and they have all the, they have everything it takes to go above and beyond. But what would your piece? That's a great, that's a great question. So here's, here's off the cuff, a thought process on this. Not, and I say not by, I mean, a small margin, not every contractor should teach it, can teach it, will teach it, or wants to teach it, right? Some contractors are just rugged. They're skilled tradesmen. They're good at what they do. That's where they should stay. No problem. To do what we're doing, and, and I don't want this to come off as cocky. I want it to come off as deliberate. There has to be an element of an it factor, okay? Look at Conor McGregor, okay? Without money, he's your typical Irishman who could fucking knock people out. With money, he's the flashiest motherfucker in the world, and it fits him well. Mm-hmm. He wears it well. He looks it well. He speaks it well. He dresses it well. He loves it well. You know what I mean? There's an it factor. What do I mean by this? When I I say this all the time, and I get asked this question all the time, so I love this question. You take a Conor McGregor. He had to earn his way up the ranks. It wasn't handed to him. And when he started making a name for himself because of the way he fought, he started earning the leverage to negotiate his contracts. It's no different than business. It's no different than being a contractor saying, I want to get out of the rat race and start teaching this shit. You have to earn your stripes on the way up to get the credibility. 
So as he's growing, Conor McGregor's growing, he's getting respect from not only his peers and fighters, the world. You take a notice, like, this fucking Irish kid's kicking ass. He's exciting. He's flashy. He talks a lot of shit. But when he talks a lot of shit, he speaks very well. So you pay attention to it because the intellect is there, right? That's just a piece of the pie to the it factor. He speaks it well. Obviously, he backs it up because he'll knock you the fuck out. So he does it well, right? And then he started dressing nice, okay? He looks it well. Then he starts speaking more and more. He's doing commercials. Okay, he's the man. Now he's doing bourbons. He's got other businesses. Okay, that's an it factor, all right? His confidence continued to grow with every next level he took. But he came in with confidence. He came in saying he was going to be the best. And sure as shit, he did, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. It starts with confidence first and foremost. Are you good at what you do? One. Two, if you are good at what you do, can that be checked, backed up, and validated? Okay? For us, check all the fucking awards on the book. Upstairs, downstairs, and in the garage. I, I, put my, I put all of our company polos in a frame. I wear my own jersey. I hang my own jerseys. Right? I, don't hang, I, don't need, I love Michael Jordan. That's my man. But I don't need to hang his jersey. I hang mine because it shows me how far we've come and evolved. I've got five different polos on this wall to show how we've changed logos and colors over the years. It reminds me of how far we've come, right? I mean, I've got my dog. That's my dog painted. He's in here. This is his place. That's our book, 50 Laws of Rehab, in that frame right there. I like to remind myself that this is my life. This is what we do. It stays, I stay motivated. It helps build my confidence. So to anybody who wants to get into what we're doing, a, it starts with confidence, and B, look at yourself, okay? You have to have the it factor, I'm, I promise you, because what, what, what's going to differentiate you from me? Let's say 10 guys listen to this call, and they're great contracts. I'm not taking that away from you guys. You the best contracts in your market. Do you have the it factor? Are you handsome? Are you good looking? Do you dress well? Do you speak well? Huh? Do you, do you know, are you financially literate? Can you teach? Can you put a curriculum together? Can you stand up and public speak? Do you like getting in front of a camera? Those are all pieces to the it factor. Right. Because if you can't, it will show. And once it shows, you're done. Mm-hmm. Any weakness when you're in the public eye, it's over. I wear that well. I know exactly. Any move, anything I say could be taken completely wrong. And by the way, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> because we've built that brand where it's like, Roddy's going to be Roddy. In the beginning, it was a little bit different. I had to play a little bit societal. <laughs> right? And I'm like, but I'm going to continue showing people that this is who I am. And then finally, again, I believe we earn the right to be who we are. And it's respected. Again, not for everybody, for the right people. But for anybody who wants to get in our space, you have to look at the it factor as a whole. Do you have the package? And if you have the package, can you deliver it consistently? Right. That's my two cents. People might not agree with that. But you look at the biggest celebrities in the world. What do they have? The it factor. Mm-hmm. And that sports. Teachers. After what they do. NASA. Sports. Teachers politicians, those individuals have reached the top of their industry because they have the it factor. Part of that it factor is the confidence and the backbone to not give a fuck what you think. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And now to those contractors that want to become like developers, really, because most of the time developers are hiring them, right? Or like these hedge funds and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, how do you level up? Again, it's it's almost similar to... It's a great question because I did that. It's a great question because yeah. I did that. So we went from being... The best at single family rehabbing, remodels, and renovations. Our renovations went as high as five, six hundred thousand dollars before I was like, do tear down and rebuild, right? Then you go and you evolve into new construction, yep. right? Once I got into new construction, I hired a mentor in new construction. Once I went and did new construction, I went to land development. I hired mentors in land development to teach me land development. Mm-hmm. So I'm never, I, I, I'm not, I'm the consultant's consultant. I have no problem hiring other consultants to help me grow. 
Yeah. And that's where I think, again, with the confidence, you have to put your ego aside, right? And say, listen, this is your world. This is my world. I'm good here. You're good there. Teach me this. And mm-hmm. I'll teach you that. So it's really, a, a, in my opinion, it's an ego check. Most men will never, ever, and, and women too. There's alpha women without question, but there's more alpha males. And this is another thing I always teach. You know, when you look at the different levels of alphas, there's a rhyme and a reason as to why they are not alphas. 85% of men in the, in the world are not alphas by any means. In fact, the majority of them are a bunch of bitches. That's a fact, right? So that's just the reality of it. And I always say the same thing when we come to masterclass or we have our boot camps. It's predominantly men that come in, right? The first thing I do when I walk into my own masterclass, I walk in kind of like this and I just look around. And what am I doing? I'm looking for the alphas because alpha recognizes alpha, game recognizes game. I already know the weaklings. The weaklings aren't even making eye contact. So I'm already looking at who's the alpha, who has something to say, who wants to come greet me or shake my hand, or who's got a question, who's outgoing, who's flashy, who's talking shit already. You know, I'm looking for that guy or that two guys or three guys, right? And usually there's always one. There's always one that comes in. And then through the first two hours, I'll remind him that there's only one alpha in this room. And that's why you're sitting in the chair and I'm not. And that's, that's where leadership comes into play is that we have to check egos because there's only going to be one ego in this room. If I come to your class, it's your ego. I'm sitting down. And that's where I think a lot of men in this industry of construction and females as well, because I've hired many general contractors that are females. I've trained the best female project managers. They're fucking beasts. I'm proud of them. And they're still kicking ass right now. And, you know, you have to understand personalities. You have to be able to read people. And a lot of contractors can't read people. I don't think they've ever been in a position to read people. Or nor, nor do they care to read people because they've, they've probably been the tradesman being told what to do. So when you're in a leadership position, you have to be able to read situations, people, circumstances, and then forecast because you did risk on what's coming and then plan for it. There's a lot that comes into this shit. It's not fucking easy. People think this is a walk in the park. It is when it becomes instant, but it takes years before it becomes instant. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, for real estate investors out there or contractors, anybody in general, like what would be your best piece of advice when it comes to like renovations, flips, rehabs, anything really? Get your reps in. You have to get your reps in. It's like a basketball player that shoots 100 free throws a day. Get your reps in. You have to. Take all challenges. Find your sweet spot. For example, not every contractor can do a $100,000 renovation. Every contractor can do new construction. Every contractor can handle a 30000 They all want different things based on their skill set. Ask those fucking questions. I ask contractors all day long when I hire them. I'm like, what's the one thing you, you don't want to do on this slip board? Oh, I hate drywall. Good. You're not doing drywall. Thank you. Done. Check that shit off. I'm going to find a drywall. People don't ask common questions. Because there's things I don't like. I've been a license country for almost 20 years. I don't like to have this shit. <laughs> so I, I'll tell you, like, I don't want to do that. That's what I would say back in the day. I'm not doing that shit. Hire somebody else. Because mm-hmm. I, I'll do it. It won't be to your quality. And then you're going to pay twice. And then we're going to fight. So reverse the roles. Then, If you're the investor hiring the contractor, or you're the contractor being hired, share what you like and don't like. Share what you're good at and not good at. It doesn't mean you're not going to get the job. You need the right job or right jobs within the job. Mm-hmm. Then you make money. Love that, Roddy. I know. I mean, the questions are super duper important. I mean, when anyone assumes that one contractor is going to do everything, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I teach. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> subcontract everything. Literally. Your project is going to take three times as long if you have one guy trying to do everything. One guy, one guy or girl trying to do everything. Like, no way. If you have a painter, let the painters paint. Let the drywall guys do the drywall. Oh. Let carpenters do the carpentry. And so it just works so much better and so much more efficiently because 
things just move so much faster. Whereas if you have one person trying to do everything, it's a disaster. I've been there. I did that on my first couple of projects, like an idiot. Cause I didn't know. I was like, they're like, Oh no, 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 we can do everything. It's like, uh-uh. I'm telling you common sense goes a long way in construction. It's not as scientific as people think it is. It's like, make that fit there. Okay. Let's figure that out. Right. Now let's do it to code. Use the right tool. Right. We just make that joke. We used to run what we call the rehab labs and we'd partner with Florida decor years ago. And what we would do is we would build in the front of their store, like on a Saturday morning while they're open to the public. And they would let us take their product and build. So we would show investors they'd pay to come see it. We'd put like 50 investors in the front of a store. And it was a win because they were there to buy product anyway. So Florida decor is happy. And we're there putting on a show, showing how to tile a bathroom or how to build, frame a wall how to drywall the wall after you framed it. And we're showing them all these things hands-on. And one of the drills that we showed them was I, I put together an eight-foot wall, right? I didn't actually put it together. I laid it out 16 on center, and I showed them how I did that. And then I gave them two options. I said, here's a nail gun. I said, here's a hammer and nails. And then here's a screw, right? I said, I'm going to have you use a screw. You're going to hammer the nails, and then you're going to use the nail gun. And we're just going to see who's faster and who's more proficient. And let me tell you, who do you think won? Nail gun. Yeah, the girl over here, Trent, fucking missing the nail head. We got the guy with the screw. He kept fucking missing the screw. I'm like, yeah, we ain't got all fucking day. You know why? I said, because you're using the wrong tool. And when you start using the right tools, you become effective and efficient. When you become effective and efficient, you're actually working on the right time period and meeting schedules and deadlines because you're doing it correctly. There's so many variables to becoming the best of the best. You have to look at those things like, why is this taking so long? Oh, because this dumbass is fucking hammering nails. In 2022. Yeah, we're not doing that today. Get the fucking nail gun. You need one? I'll bring one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it's about efficiency. So we would teach investors all of this stuff just so that they had leverage to say and see that and they could better manage that if it's happening. That's really what the real people is all about. It's we're not necessarily saying all day long, like this is how you frame a window. We're gonna show you that, but we're gonna show you all about that window. So when you see it. You actually have some common sense to add to that conversation saying, well, it's not flush and plumb, two keywords, or you didn't insulate it. Another keyword, where's the flashing in the capping? A couple more keywords. Now you're having an intelligent conversation with your contractors and vice versa. And now you're building what? Trust and rapport and transparency. You, you guys might last a long time to do a couple more flips together. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the tools, basically that you, you know, you could become more efficient if you're using the right tools. You'd be the smartest person in the game if you're not using the right tools to do things. That's just with anything in life either. Like, it's like you could try to think you know it all yourself and kind of do it your own way, but there's always going to be somebody or some tool or something that's going to elevate you even further so that you can become more efficient. Yes. And it's tools. You know, not just in construction, but just life in general, I feel like is it's just a huge thing to just utilize tools. Like, for example, like I see coaches as a tool, right? I see courses, I see education. Like for you, when you were stepping into new construction, you weren't like, oh, I'm going to know it all. I'm going to try to do this myself. You hired somebody. You had that tool to do something more efficiently because God knows. I have have my secret resources. I honestly have my secret resources. If I need something, I I know I'm going to text away and say, hey, in this situation, what would you do? And very often there's numbers in development or new construction because that's changing just like renovations remodeling that I'll review things and do my research and make changes. I'll send that over to them and say, these numbers look pretty accurate for what's going on right now. And they'll say yes or no or correct it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my man, appreciate you because because that information is valuable to my network, to yeah. our industry. So it's invaluable to have these resources in your yeah. toolbox. 
the toolbox. You know, one of the biggest things I've been saying since day one for years is I think a lot of investors and contractors may start this off as like a hobby, making some side money. Uh, or investors like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip one house because that numbers make sense to me. And I'm going to go buy that house. I'm going to flip that house. But you're still treating it, both businesses as a hobby. And at some point, it becomes a business. And then you realize, I don't even know how to run a fucking business, right? I see that all too often when we do our consulting at a high level. We're applying to many, many cities. And I'll work into, you know, directly with the individuals, he or she that hired me, and then their teams. And oftentimes, I realize, oh, you, you really don't know how to run a business. This has nothing to do with construction. This has nothing to do with investments. You don't know people, processes, and systems on how businesses and departments even speak to each other. We have, we have a different challenge first before we get to rehabbing or construction. Mm-hmm. And you find that out very often. So I've always preached that this is not a hobby. This is a business. You need to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. This is some raw shit. All right. Take some notes on this. When I was 19, 18, 19, we were running our casinos. It was a business. Okay. We had security. We had food. We had the games. Right. We had drinks. And we had entertainment. It's five elements to a casino that you have to have. So the people that show up are entertained and getting quality, right? Then you're managing money and the house takes off. All that shit. What am I doing? You're running an operation. You're running a business, right? And when you start looking at who has to get paid for what and the time and the hourly and all the shit that you're paying for, food expenses, the hotel expense, all that shit, right? Mm -hmm. It's no different than overhead. So when you start looking at just the basics of what you're doing, I think a lot of people are running little side operations. They don't even realize they're doing it, right? Like the way you take care of cutting your fucking grass and lawn products, add it up. See what you're spending on materials. Mm-hmm. If you like to wash your own fucking car, if I like to build up my own gym, it's a massive expense. You're talking about thousands of dollars in equipment. That I haven't even finished. Like I still got to put shit on this wall, <laughs> right? Right. You're talking about thousands of dollars of expenses. So I got to look at that and say, okay, I'm going to expense that off the company because it's, I work from the home office. So technically it's my office. So I'm playing all these fucking games. But the truth is, you know, you have to treat everything. If you are in business, almost everything you look at, and it's a disease, becomes a business. That's a fucked up situation, trust me, because not everybody wants to hear these conversations. Not everybody's like, I'm tired of talking business. I get that. But unfortunately, this is my life. And yeah. this is all I know. My kids are, I have twins that are seven, going to be eight. That's, they, know, they know scopes of work. They know about paying project managers. They know that daddy and mommy, you know, are in real estate and this is what we do. Like we're always around. We always have crazy hours, but the crazy hours are freedom, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like oh, you know what? You guys are going to bed. I'm going to jump on that laptop for two hours and I'll go to bed, whatever. But it's like the freedom to run a business. If it was a hobby, I'd be fucked. <laughs> now, Roddy, now question for you. This is one of my favorite questions, man. And I can't wait mm. to hear what you have to say about this, but what would your that'd older be, self- be good. <laughs> what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now if you could talk to wrong, younger Roddy no one's ever asked no one's ever asked me that. if I could talk to a younger Roddy check your ego sooner before somebody else does mm-hmm. if I could talk to the younger Roddy I would tell the younger Roddy slow down and check your ego because someone's about to and that's one of the things that I learned that I think got me over the hump and everything in life was getting my ego finally checked and knocked off that pedestal and then you're like hmm Okay, now what? That's, a, that's an interesting thing for a very prideful individual. And there's millions of confident motherfuckers in the world, guys and girls. But until you get your shit checked and you get slapped off this invisible pedestal that you put yourself on, uh, and maybe other people have put you on uh, indirectly or directly, but I think the younger Roddy, I would tell the younger Roddy, slow the fuck down, shut the fuck up, <laughs> and check your ego a little bit. Because... You're going to meet somebody who's going to fucking check that shit. It's inevitable.
Mm-hmm. That's the game of life. Someone, someone bigger or bad is going to say, bitch, sit down. <laughs> I love it. And now, and now the older Roddy is that guy telling all the other younger ones coming up saying, bitch, sit down. Right. Right. Well, I mean, listen, like the ego will always, will always keep us away from us sometimes. Cause it's like, we can't let go of ourselves and we think we know it all and do it all. You know, I entrepreneurs right. suffer with this. I used to be like that all the time. I can handle it myself. I can do it myself. Da-da-da-da-da. And then, yep, you get your ego checked and you're like, okay, all right. I don't know it all. Sorry, God. The most amazing feeling when you come out of that. I mean, some, some egos, it takes a while for you to recover from that because they get, you know, butt hurt and fucking, but you know, some ego checks could be very, very serious for a positive outcome later that you don't yeah. see yet. You know, it could be an emotional check, it could be a physical check. It could be both the spiritual check. It could, be, it could be the whole thing. My personal experience is that the check will be all the above on the return, right? So you get checked. You got to come back spiritually. You got to come back physically, mentally, and emotionally. All those need to happen when you're making your comeback from having a massive ego check because some people, their minds aren't cleared for a while. You're cloudy, like, fuck, what just happened? You know, and then you have to come back and sit there and go, what did I do wrong? Take your accountability for the actions you took and, the, and obviously the results that you received and say, okay, what did, what did I learn? And am I going to do that again? If you're going to do it again, it's going to happen again. So that's, that's the evolution of the seasons in life that I was telling you about earlier is that as each season happens, you have to continue to grow. I won't be the same guy at 50 that I am at 40. Mm-hmm. I won't be the same guy at 50 that I am at 60, right? That's just the way it goes. Do I look forward to meeting those two fucking animals? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm enjoying 40. I don't feel 40. I don't look 40. I don't act 40. So I'm feeling good. But I'm sure Father Time being undefeated is going to catch my ass soon. <laughs> no, I don't think and then so. the, And then that it factor is going to start dwindling away when I get all gray and wrinkled and fucking bald and shit. I'm like, I can't be on camera no more. <laughs> nah, you'll be, you'll be good. But speaking of the future, Roddy, like what's up in your world in the next like six to 12 months? What's happening? What's new in Roddy world? Six to 12 months, I hope to get, we're licensing out our product. So I hope to get like, I don't know maybe five to seven more licensees. Um, I'd like to bring on a few more hard money lenders onto our Roddy PM software program that does draw magic. And then I just want to continue consulting across the country, helping uh, bigger companies get better. And that's actually my passion. Who would have thought after all these years and all the shit I've gone through and done and <laughs> participated in that I get pure satisfaction out of flying into your city where it's, it's a blessing to have so many families welcoming into their home and they're feeding me breakfast. Like it's the wildest fucking shit ever. I mean, not all the time, but it's everybody. And they, they take care of me. I'm grateful. It's just the way they are. Take you to dinner. They want to have they be meeting their family and their friends and their kids. And I mean, there's a lot of responsibility in this, but well, I take it with pride. It's, it's uh, pure enjoyment for me. These people have shaped my fucking life. I'll tell you that. All my clients and my students have completely changed my life. That's amazing, Roddy. That's amazing. And I know you're going to be doing some events this year as well, right? And masterclasses and different things. Yeah, we've got an online masterclass. That's a rehab and construction masterclass, eight hour one day. It'll be recorded so people can get it virtually. We've got, I'm going to be doing some lectures in the Family Mastermind. I'll probably be speaking at the Family Mastermind. We do events like pretty much every two, three months, you know? We have a new program that we're rolling out though on July 18th called the uh, Roddy Rehab Program, where I'm going to log in Zoom like this. To uh, twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays for two hours. And it's 50 bucks a week for anybody in the world to log in and uh, just continue learning and training with me just like this. It's going to be very casual. I'm going to talk about different topics within the industry about training. And then I want people to bring me their problems. 
It's going to be the largest live chat in the industry. It's also going to be the largest live training in the industry because I'm telling you, it's going to hit. There's nobody, nobody's ever doing it. No one's ever done it and no one's going to plan to do it. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> love it. I love it, Roddy. I'm just pumped to see like your different events and everything like just launching out there, especially within the next year. And like, man, now you the next go. 12 to 18 months, like the next two years, I'm personally planning. I'm treating it like it was like I was in my 20s, but with a different mentality. I'm hungrier than ever. And I actually, I did a video, a promo video on that, where I was being interviewed at a restaurant and the, the producer asked me a question. He asked me something like, um, you know, at 40, how do you find motivation? I said, I never lost it. I said, I said, at 40, I'm, not, I'm hungrier than I've ever been before. I said, at 40, I'm ready. I'll compete with anybody who wants to compete. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm just, it's, I'm built different, right? I've got more responsibilities with my children now. So it's like, dude, no, it's not going to happen. Now, are there a million other people trying to come up and do what they're doing, like what I'm doing? Sure. Should you? Go for it. Absolutely. But I'll be here. I just can't wait to see it just grow and continue to elevate. My goal is to put all of our companies back in, into the uh, award talk again. We haven't won an award since 2019. And once I opened up our construction company in my kid's name, I said, we're going to get you your first award by the time you're eight. Like, by the time they're nine. So I got one year to get them into the uh, remodeling magazine. So that's my goal is to get their company. It's James Marie. My son's name is Jackson James. My daughter's name is Gia Marie. So it's James Marie, real estate development and construction. So my goal is to get them their first plaque and put them in the magazines and get them on the board. And then my second goal is to get the rehab depot back in the winning position because I took some time off. I didn't have to. I just took some time off over the past few years. And now I'm like, nah, we're going to come back hard again. So my goal is to get all three of my companies on the award board. And trust me, when it happens, you'll know. Oh, you will. You absolutely will. Oh, man, Roddy, you're amazing. Thank you so much for everything sure. today. Now you've got to let everyone know where to find you, my friend. Where can everybody find Roddy? All right. So you can find me on Facebook, RehabDepot.com, or obviously Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo. Or you can go on IG, Ryan underscore Roddy, R-O-T-T-Y underscore Garcilazzo. It'll be easy once you pop that in. I'm all over. I mean, you can Google me for like the first nine, ten pages of Google. I mean, we're <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's easy to find me. If you want to text me, this is a golden ticket. I told you, I'm fucking Willy Wonka. 847-899-5713. 847-899-5713. If you are listening to this call and you're an investor, rehabber, wholesaler, construction guy, and you don't text me, you're an absolute fucking idiot. Keep losing. <laughs> absolute, no, seriously. You should, so there's going to be people listening to this in the car, watching it on, on social media, shaking their head, thinking, yeah, I got I got a Texas guy. If you don't text me, God bless you. <laughs> Buddy, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story, man. You are a trip. I love your story. You're just, you're amazing. You're full of amazing information. You're passionate. You're just, you're incredible. I'm just, I'm lucky to be <laughs> in your corner, my friend. And, and I'm so blessed Appreciate to have you. partners, you know, and just, you know, I just can't wait to see you to continue to grow and just crush it. So thank you so much for being an inspiration I out there. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Roddy. Thank you so, so much. So that's it for today's episode of underdog catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. <laughs>